When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. I'm Carrie Corgan, and this is The Opus, an exploration of legendary records and their ongoing legacy. In our latest season, I'm joined by Lizzie Hale, Warren Zanes, Daphne A. Brooks, and many more to revisit Jeff Buckley's Grace. We discuss Buckley's femininity in an era of hypermasculine alt-rock, how the record's mythology was shaped by his tragic death, and the delicate work of keeping his legacy alive. Find us at Consequence of Sound or wherever you listen to podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with it's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the series, who checks in on all the multiple interviews we put out every single week. Of course, if you're not, now's a good time to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. And that includes anywhere you get your favorite podcast from. New interviews debut at least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So stay up to date. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today my guest, Adrian Linker from the band Big Thief. Earlier this year, Big Thief gave us an amazing record, UFOF. By the time the uh, the list rolled around for best of 2019 so far, this was on the top for a whole lot of different outlets. And that could have been enough. It, it would have probably still been at the top of that list by the end of 2019. But Big Thief comes back around and says, hey, guess what? Uh, right after we got done recording that record, we went into a different uh, studio and recorded another record, a whole nother record. 
and it's just as good. It's called Two Hands, and Adrian and I are going to get into the the whole concept. They, they going into it knowing they were going to create two records, the places they wanted to record those records, and how that environment shaped the sound of the albums. Two Hands is a desert record recorded in a desolate part of Texas. You can hear it in the songs. You hear it in the bones in the songs. And I mean that uh, as in the structure as well as in the lyrics, where sometimes there are actual bones. We'll talk about the big themes that make it in here, too. As they've said, war, collective trauma, and environmental destruction, especially with songs like Shoulders and the first single, Not. She gives us the stories on both of those tracks right there. We'll also hear how performing the album in full, front to back, in front of a London crowd who had never heard any of the songs so far, what new things that might reveal. And I'll also ask about a fan-favorite song that has yet to find its album, when we might be hearing that one as well. Talking about the record Two Hands, it's Kyle Meredith with Big Thief. Hi. Congratulations. Uh, what a cool little surprise year we've had with this band. And as if UFOF wasn't an amazing record enough that probably would have kept uh, some of us baited for a few years, you've given us this uh, fantastic new record with Two Hands. First off, thank you and, and congratulations. It's another great record. Thank you so much. As we've read now, you all started making Two Hands the week after you finished UFOF. Was that the plan from the very beginning? Was that all mapped out like that? Yeah, it was. I accumulated uh, about 50 songs over the course of two years, over the course of the last two years, and then we demoed them, and then it became clear to us that they would divide themselves into two distinctly different projects. And, yeah, it's been a plan all along. So what was the division then? I mean, sometimes it's musical, sometimes it's lyric or thematical. Was it was it a clear line for you in that way? I think it was, yeah, feeling. It was a feel at first. And the more I listen, like, the more time that I have and distance from the records, the more the meanings sink in and become clear. It's not always that logical or rational when you're first doing something creative like that. It just, all you know is your gut feeling with it. And the songs on Two Hands just really fit together, and the songs in UFOF just really fit together. I think UFOF has more of a suspended sort of like ethereal soundscape, layered and textured feeling, and Two Hands is more bare bones and raw and dry and just kind of rugged. And all the songs just actually it was pretty effortless the way that they... Um, they kind of separated themselves. Now, the way you explain that, of course, also leads to where you chose to record it, because this is a, a studio out in the in the Texas desert. Uh, again, was that planned out specifically to kind of match or possibly to pull uh, a bit more inspiration from? Yeah, I think it wasn't so clear in the beginning. Again, it was just like the previous record we'd recorded in the temperate rainforest and the Pacific Northwest and with the cool air and the trees. And, and then this is was more, it was desolate and barren. And I think there's there's plant life there in the desert, but it's very special in that it has to fight. Whatever, whatever plants do exist there have to be pretty robust to make it in the desert. And there's a little bit of that fight, I think, in the way that we recorded Two Hands. It was a little bit harder to find the magic and to get to but we ended up finding it. It just was a much different process. Yeah. And I can hear the, I can hear us like responding to the, the environment, the atmosphere. Even before I'd read that part, I could hear that. You know, it's, it's, at times, I guess, got, um, I don't know if Southern Gothic is the right kind of term to put on it, but 
But I, I think because of some of the things you are singing mm. about and, and that rustic feeling, it, it lends itself to that genre. Cool. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> You've also called this the uh, the Earth Twin to, to UFOF. And, and, and I guess thinking about some of those things that you're thinking about, I mean, maybe if I'm reading that in the right way, and, and maybe even if I'm not, um, looking at the Earth in 2019 can be difficult. <laughs> it can be mm-hmm. it can be challenging. And I think mm-hmm. some of the words that I've even seen thrown around, uh, war, collective trauma, environmental destruction, why, why that direction? And, and am I on the right track by kind of with those assumptions? Yeah, I think that we're addressing a lot of that stuff more directly in two hands. Um, I think it's hard to ignore the collective pain that we're experiencing as a result of depleting our planet and contributing to that. And I think... I'm just feeling a lot of urgency, like me and the whole band are feeling an urgency to start to be able to articulate some of our responses and and, and feelings and and working through how to, you know, maintaining some level of hopefulness by looking at sort of the decay and destruction head on and just acknowledging it and talking about it. And hopefully we can reach people from a deeper layer that goes beyond politics and everyone's specific stances and beliefs that divide, that that create opposition and polarity. And hopefully we can just spread frequencies of love and contribute to the unification of human beings with Mother Nature. There's interesting moments in there because even as you're projecting this and you're kind of talking about this, Maybe it's because you hit a few major chords every now and then, but even in the darkest subjects, there there seems to be a lightness, and, and maybe it's a hope and a brightness to some of these songs. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope there is some. Who are these people then? I mean, without knowing if they're autobiographical or if they're character-based, I wonder, are these people in the songs going to be okay? Let me go further. Shoulders. I mean, there seems to be something very bad happening in this song. And, and it's still a bit cryptic mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, what's happening there? There's so many different layers and ways of interpreting it because you can interpret it from the perspective of just um, addressing addressing the earth and the people of the earth to wake up and understand that we're all contributing to destruction and just acknowledge, like acknowledging that and taking responsibility. But then, honestly, that song was written as a response to some of the police brutality that was going on in the States. And the blood of the man who's killing our mother with his hands is in me, feeling a certain amount of, you know, just recognizing privilege as somebody who's white and living in America. And a lot of the the brutality that that was happening it was just like sickening to feel that and see that there's still so much prejudice and racism happening and so it was just my my like response that shoulders came out of that but but it expanded like so many of the songs that I write I feel like they have multiple meanings and and they expand over time and I inhabit different spaces of each song like I I find different I I find different meaning as, as time passes so yeah, I think it has multiple meanings. See, now, and that opens it up so much more. Like, I love that song already, but when I hear it, I, I sort of took it as a literal sense. I mean, and, and maybe it was playing back on that Southern Gothic theme. Like, it's written in a way like that could be an episode of a television show with real people. You know, it without it having to have been all of that, it's, it's, I'm throwing you a compliment in a mm-hmm. long way, I think is what I'm getting at right here. <laughs> cool. Thank you. 
I'll ask a little bit about Not uh, as well, just because that's the lead-off single. I mean, you you often, I think, by the press, get categorized as as folk, and this isn't the first time, but it is one of the loudest. It's a song that you've been playing for a little while live. I don't know, is there an easy story behind this one about how it finally arrived here after kind of being out there in the ether? I mean, well, it was written after the last couple of records were made. I mean... It was like all the songs for UFOS and Two Hands were written around the same time, but definitely was written well after Capacity was released. It's one of the oldest for sure. I think Shoulders and Knot are like the two oldest, the ones that we've been playing for the longest from these records. But I wrote it on the road in Europe. We were in Scotland, I think, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, something like that. But it's one that has only sort of become more and more potent and powerful feeling to me every time we play it. And we finally, I think, were able to get into the full space of the song. I mean, sometimes songs take a while to come to life, I found. And I felt like we recorded it, we captured it at the perfect time. It's, I feel like in a lot of ways, it's kind of the backbone of the record. And you all performed the album in full in London does a performance like that, when you when you do the entire record in order in front of a crowd, does that reveal anything new in that situation? Definitely. Um, well, well, some of the songs we've been playing for a little while, there were many of them that we, I mean, at least a handful of them that we had never played for anybody. And so that felt vulnerable. <laughs> also realizing that making something come to life in the studio runs on a completely different track. It takes up a different space creatively, I think, than learning how to bring something to life in a live setting. So in a lot of ways, it was just the very beginning of the journey of some of those songs, realizing that we're going to have to play these a while. We are going to have to play them a lot before we get them to the place that some of our older songs are at. And um, I mean, that's exciting and kind of scary. And I also realized that... (laughs) It's hard to play an album sequence because when you're sequencing a record, you don't have to consider guitar tunings or switching guitars or anything like that. Right. <laughs> so it's interesting to do it like that. The way that we'd normally construct a set would be so different, I think, than wow. how we would make an album. I do love how you all do it. I love how you kind of bring those new songs out so early in the live setting and the fans can come along. I know there's lots of us who are waiting to see if Spud Infinity, kind of where that kind of lands eventually, hopefully, maybe. Oh, cool. Nice one. Well, we'll see. see. (laughs) In the meantime, again, I can't thank you enough for this record, Two Hands and UFOF. Uh, No pun intended, but they are both masterpieces. That seems to be what you all do. And I just thank you so much for the music and for the time today. Oh, thanks for your questions. I really appreciate it. Uh, anytime, Adrian. It's been a pleasure. Uh, take care. Thank you. You too. Bye. And my thanks to Adrian Linker, Big Thief. The new record is called Two Hands, and the basically new record, also called UFOF, two records for 2019. Now, before we get out of here, let's head back to 2017. That's when Big Thief released the record Capacity. It's also when I met up with a band backstage at the Forecastle Festival while they were eating dinner to talk about that sophomore record, a record that is as beautiful as it is emotionally bare. In this interview, we talk about life on the road and life together and what went into the making of what became one of 2017's best records. It's part two of Kyle Meredith with Big Thief. I should pay you guys the compliments first. It is one of the most loveliest and unloveliest records. How do you say that, you know? It's an intense record, and and I think that's always sort of the notes on this record. It's like the balance you guys have caught 
with the intensity of what's going on vocally and lyrically and, and then you know the beauty of what's going on in the music. How do you find that balance? Where does that come from? Is, this, is it even a discussion that you guys talk about? It's, it's not really a discussion. I, I think a lot of it naturally presents itself in, um, in Adrienne's writing. Just in, like, the way, musically, there's always, like, such an ear for, like, melody and stuff like that that just comes naturally. It's just, like, a part of the way she writes to me. And, but also, like, no subject is, like, un, untouchable. Like, Adrian, in my experience, I've just, has this focus and intensity where it's, like, of course, the song can be about anything. And the beauty and the ugly stuff, it's, like, a fine, they're, like, there's a fine line between them and there's a lot of overlap, too. So, like, it can... A lot of times it's like both all wrapped up into one song for me. Yeah. I mean, you kind of get that feeling like you said you're not, you know, not afraid to go after anything because there's, you know, the intense moments on here. You're like, is there anything that you would, you know, shy away from to say, nah, that's that's not on the table. That's I can't I can't go that far. If something comes out, honestly, I don't think that there's something that it, the moment that I had the feeling of, no, nah, that's that's too far. It's probably the moment that. I would feel like, oh, that means that it's supposed to be on the record. <laughs> right. I mean, if if it feels honest and it feels like it's presented in, in a really clear way, I don't know. I, I really can't say. It's also too hypothetical because maybe there is something that I would uncover within myself that I wouldn't feel comfortable sharing. But I, I feel like also just in the way that everyone plays, too, there's all, all this contrast. Like, the way that we play together when we're the... Fr- the freest and just in terms of that as a record i feel like there there is like a lot of inherent contrast and juxtaposition and things mm-hmm. like there's yeah i feel like everyone's everyone's playing and everyone's energy that they bring to the music encompasses the whole spectrum like the ugly feelings are beautiful like and i think everyone embodies that right very human i mean and it's, i guess that's what it is a very human record i I think the parts of the record that really take me, that capture me right away, there are moments on this record that feel like demos. Like, that was just the bare-bone emotion of whatever was happening. And like, nope, that's the take we're using. That's what's going on the record. And, and again, that's, that's sort of a curiosity. I mean, do demos make the record? Are these one-take things? Or, or is that more of like, this is how the shade of this song is to be you know, colored in? Like, what are those parts? I think we really value the, the moment of birth Um, in recording and also in writing like a lot of the songs we put on our two records were brand new like Masterpiece for instance Adrian taught us Masterpiece like three minutes before we recorded it and almost all the songs on Capacity were were taught to the band the morning of recording them Adrian came with acoustic guitar in the morning and taught us the song and then we came up with an arrangement and recorded in the evening generally and some in some cases we went back and made revisions but we try to capture that moment of birth yeah as much as possible and in you know instrumentally and also vocally and and observing adrian right too i feel like one of adrian one of the things that i really appreciate about adrian's writing process is that she doesn't she just seems to let the music kind of write her there's not a lot of filtering that when something comes out it it usually like sticks you know I, i guess that's why it feels like also maybe that this was such a quick turnaround like, I know you guys, it's, it's a little bit smoke and mirrors because Masterpiece was, you'd set on those songs for a little bit, but it just seems so super quick. You know, like, oh, and, and here it is. Like, was there any downtime for you guys to live life, to define, you know, all of this? No. no. 
<laughs> next question. No, it was actually like most of the time on the road and uh, and a lot of making and a lot of recording like packed together. Like so, masterpiece was recorded, and then like six months later, we recorded capacity. And so that was like in process for the last like year and before. Yeah, before we released masterpiece, it was already recorded capacity. So so yeah, it was just like trying to pop them out, I suppose, pop them out, and and uh, and yeah. But there is really not a lot of downtime. It really is like a lot of shows, and yeah. so in that sense, we're kind of. I, I think at a certain point, we realized that we're more like astronauts than musicians at this point. On a certain on a certain level, just because it's like a an insane way of living. Yeah. And uh, we actually we we need to learn that craft in order to like do it. You know, do it like feel good. In, right. In in the making. My heart's go out to you. It seems like an insane schedule, and, and to be able to produce this kind of art. At you know, at this kind of pace, it, you know, it's completely amazing, uh, and and I'll end with that title too because the word capacity, you know, and it's got a great cover art and everything, um, but that word, it almost feels like it's always followed by to love, you know, a capacity to love. Yeah, I mean, I think that feels good to me. Yeah, I, th- I think you're welcome. I mean, love is yeah, love <laughs> is is used in a lot of different ways. Like the word is used in a lot of different ways, but. I mean, at the at the core of it, I mean, yeah, that's what we're learning on the road, and I don't know, it's it's more so like self acceptance and like openness and communication with each other, and this like choice to to be on this journey together. I I wasn't consciously thinking that capacity would kind of like be a good theme for this tour, but it's funny that it's come up time and time again that being on tour and being in this band is expanding my capacity as a human. And yeah, it's like transience. Everything is always moving. It can be really challenging, but like nothing will expand capacity for patience and tenderness and love. Like being in a van with three, four people that, you know, that you're dedicated to being with and being friends with. And like, so that means that everything that comes up is something we kind of just go okay and we accept that it's come up and no matter how difficult it is we work through it with like this this like real devotion to each other and to like the music and just our friendships and and like our fans and and it's very expanding it's like we've been growing a lot yeah well i'm so happy you guys are taking this uh astrological journey together so thank you so much And that's all of Big Thief back from 2017, talking about that record capacity. Again, the latest albums, the one that came out uh, earlier in the summer, UFOF, and the brand new one, Two Hands. Two more incredible records to add to a great discography. And that does it. Uh, Before you get out of here, if you're not already a subscriber, I do hope you take this moment to hit that subscribe button right now. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Acast, Podchaser, anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from. After that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Debut new songs, anniversary spins, music news, and clips from these interviews as well. And bonus interviews at WFPK.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for this edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.
Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.